welcome to mini episode 195 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have two spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from September the 3rd 2022 and story number one comes from Robin. I've always been scared of the dark. My cousin's husband once told me, it's not the dark you are afraid of, it's what is in the dark that you are afraid of. Now I'm 56 years old and if I hear a noise outside, I've learned to put my big girl pants on and walk around my house in the dark so as not to be detected. When I was three years old, my mum, my dad and my younger sister moved to a small new home in Western Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, where I had my own bedroom. My bedroom was the middle one and my younger sister's was at the rear of the house. When you walked out of my room, the bathroom door was to my left on the opposite side of the hallway. I remember laying in bed at night, watching big black shadow people march past my door. One looked like something out of an old cartoon. She had big black pearls around her neck and her hair was up in a bun. Whilst they were marching past my bedroom, I could see the colour red radiating in the hallway, as if someone had left the wall heater on in the bathroom. The thing was, the heater in the bathroom gave off an orange colour. The black shadow people were a regular occurrence and I would pull up my blanket to protect me, even though it would be stinking hot and sweat would be running down my face. Not long after we moved into our house, I started talking to Peter, my imaginary friend. Mum said I used to walk with my hand out, holding Peter's hand. She used to have to set a place for Peter at the dinner table too. One time we were sitting on a bench seat at the railway station when a lady sat down beside me. I let out a scream. The frightened lady jumped up and my mum explained that she had just sat on my imaginary friend Peter. The lady then apologised to me and Peter and sat with a gap between us. I'm not sure if Peter was real or not as I don't remember. Mum said Peter arrived not long after my godmother and her husband Peter had visited so I guess he wasn't a ghost. When I was in primary school in the 70s, Mum went to the hairdressers one day. The customers were talking about a lady who could read jewellery. Mum jokingly said to the hairdresser, let me see if I can read your necklace. Mum then started seeing visions in her mind and described the house the hairdresser grew up into a tea. With her newfound gift, Mum would read for family and friends, who then encouraged her to do it for a living. She was a very well-known clairvoyant and was very busy. She blew people away with things she could discover about them. People would have parties with 5 to 12 people. Mum would sit in a room and one by one the people would come and go. One particular party she said to a lady, You are having an affair and it's been going on for 12 years. The lady giggled and said yes. My mum said, Your affair is with so-and-so who was a prominent businessman in the area. Again, the lady said yes. That lady left the room, another came in and left. Then another lady came in. Mum felt very confused. She said to the lady, You're having an affair and it's been going on for eight years. And the lady said yes. Again, Mum said, It's with so-and-so, the same man. And the lady said yes. It was the same prominent businessman as the previous lady. Unfortunately, doing readings used to drain mum. She would often end up with a migraine. She also had trouble sleeping and used to pop sleeping pills. This would eventually lead to her death in 1994 when she was 50 years old. She died in the old house. 
her and dad had purchased in 1993 for a sea change. Sheena, the cat we had when I was a teenager, moved with them also. I lived in outer western Sydney, which was four and a half hours away from dad. One night, not long after my mum's death, my boyfriend and I were asleep when we were awoken by the bed shaking lightly. We could see this clear energy field pulsating at the end of the bed. It was about the size of a 30 centimetre oval mirror. We saw it for a few seconds and then it disappeared. This was the beginning of me experiencing this energy field regularly. I would be drifting off to sleep when I would be woken by the energy field pulsating on the bed, on my feet, up my legs and sometimes on my chest. I would say, Mum, if that's you, please come to me in a dream. I can't speak to you in this form. Then it would disappear. Sometimes I'd wake up and it was right in my face. It would be there for a few seconds and then disappear. Just a note. I was not close to my mum. My sister was. I was always a daddy's girl, so I found it interesting that I was experiencing this on a regular basis. In 1995, the same boyfriend and I married and we moved to be closer to my dad. We purchased my dad's house in 1998 and in 1999 we had a son and in 2004 our marriage ended when my husband went to be with his girlfriend of two years. My son and I continued to live in the house. My bedroom was in the same room my mum had died in. Sometimes I would feel someone lay down next to my bed when I had my back to the door. I would roll over and find nothing, thank goodness. I'm assuming it was mum. Over the years, I continued to have the energy field wake me up. Sometimes it was a red colour. I wondered if that meant it was angry and other times it was just clear. I didn't ever feel threatened, just frustrated that I didn't know what it was. When I was alone in the house doing housework, I would often feel there was someone not alive in the house. I would see someone out of my peripheral vision dart behind me and I would say, In the name of Jesus Christ, you are banished from my house. I repeated this a few times, then I would feel the presence had left. I also placed my house in the golden circle of protection and would visualise angels guarding my house. I still do that to this day. And I feel that I am protected from entities who might think they can come and visit after I listen to this podcast and other ghost-related podcasts. In 2007, I purchased our cat Maddie from the RSPCA. Maddie would always jump on the end of my bed and woke up to where I was laying, then settled herself down next to me. Numerous times when I was sleeping, I'd feel her jump on the bed, woke up and settle down. I would stretch my hand out to pet her. When I couldn't feel her, I'd flick on the bedside table lamp and find that she was not there. The amount of times that this happened was too many to count. I would think to myself, I must have dreamt it. I now realise after listening to the podcast that it must have been our old cat Sheena who died in the house. I still have Maddie. She's 15 years old now. I am so grateful my son never experienced anything in our house, or I would have had to dropkick him down the stairs. In 2019, my property was subdivided, and I now have a brand new house on a quarter of the property. The old house was bulldozed in 2020. Since moving out of the old house, I have not felt Sheena's presence in the new house. As for the energy field, it slowly became less and less over the years, and I have not seen it for over 10 years now. I wonder if any other listeners have ever experienced an energy field like this. Robin, before I say this next statement, I'm aware this was not your intention, but the most shocking thing about this story is the fact that that man was able to have two affairs. 
that we know of at least two affairs how do you find the time how do you find the time to do that how do you how do you make sure that it's the right woman you know what i mean how do you how do you orchestrate it how do you squeeze everybody into your timetable did those women know about each other does this man have supernatural abilities that he's able to orchestrate his timetable to be a successful businessman and have at least two affairs can he become my can, can he become my pa because i need somebody to organize my life like that that man and his timekeeping abilities is the real paranormal entity in this particular story there's a huge amount going on here lots of like classic haunted house stuff so you've got red glowing light and shadow people what does that mean like is the red glowing light indicative of some sort of oh i hate using this word you guys know i hate using this word but portal type thing going on and i believe the ability to read objects is called psychometry i think and i know people who believe they have the ability for psychometry i don't want to talk about it on here because they're people that might not want it to be public knowledge but i know somebody who firmly believes that he for a long time was able to see things about people from holding objects that were important to them like pieces of jewelry and stuff also the girl who used to do my nails had the same ability for psychometry too which i think is very interesting i personally have never had any sort of psychometry done so i've never had a reading where somebody has held one of my objects or anything along those lines but i would have loved to have gone to one of your mum's readings they sound incredible and to be honest i don't really know what to tell you about the energy field and it's it's amazing that it was kind of a, a constant in your life for a really long period of time i would love to know as well if any other listeners have experienced something like that because it's a really interesting idea or concept you know when we talk about things like sleep paralysis for example it's usually dark shadows a sense of impending doom things that feeling of something sitting on your chest but it doesn't seem like this energy field or you seeing this energy field came with anything negative like I, it doesn't sound like you had any negative feelings towards it it just used to happen like is it possible that it was the way that your mum appeared I, I don't know I can't answer that question but what I can say is that we love a ghost cat ghost cats are always appreciated and welcome around here and story number two comes from Emily we grew up in a gorgeous but very old farmhouse in Cumbria dating back to the 1600s I can't recall the order that things started as I was only three when we moved in, but I can very clearly remember the strange events that took place in that house. The house was over 500 years old, with records of numerous families who lived and died there, so there were definitely some souls which had left this earth within those walls. One of the craziest was of a 16-year-old boy who was killed by a bull in the 1800s in what was now the workshop. There was always a very distinct smell of floral perfume that would appear out of nowhere. It didn't come with a mean feeling, and there was never a sense of dread or being unwanted. My mum has even described it as being comforting at times. Our dogs would look up and wag their tails as if they were looking at someone, but there was never anyone there. I like to think that this was a gentle female spirit who was looking out for my mum and my sisters. Jobs were scarce in our area when I was a kid, and my mum was often down in London working, and my dad would stay home and look after my sister and I. One night when my mum was working away, my dad was in the kitchen which had a big window looking out onto the lawn outside. Standing on the lawn was a man in an old World War I style trench coat just looking at him. 
By the time he blinked, the man had gone. But he saw a person there, clear as day. He was so worried that a stranger was trespassing on our lawn that he called my mum in a panic. My mum is a very open-minded person and told him, Dave, I think you've just seen a ghost. My dad is a massive sceptic, however, to this day, and he's still trying to find an explanation for what he saw. The last part of the story that I have from this house, before we moved, still gives me the shudders when I think about it. I can't pinpoint exactly when the dreams started, but I'd never had nightmares prior to this and had no trouble sleeping at all save for a little sleepwalking here and there. I would have these horrifically vivid dreams where there was an old woman sitting on my bed staring at me. She was a pale, wrinkled old woman, with her white long hair in a bun on her head. She wore a black Victorian-style dress, with long sleeves and a lace neck. She would always be sitting on the edge of my bed in the middle, with her hands folded on her knees. Some nights when I dreamt of her, she had a soft face, smiling at me. But there were other nights when she seemed angry, and she would be showing me these spiky black teeth with rotten gums. One thing that never changed, regardless of her mood, was that she always touched my hair. She would uncross her hands from her lap and stretch her long, wrinkly fingers out to me and wrap a strand of my hair around her finger and twirl it. It was only ever a small, one-inch strand of hair in the middle of my forehead, and she would never hurt me or pull my hair. She would just twirl it around, staring at me. I would wake up screaming bloody murder, yelling at my mum. She touched me! She touched me! I was a very odd child and obsessed with the Tudors, so I called her Anne Boleyn. She most definitely was not poor old Anne, but whoever she was, I never quite sensed what she wanted or if she was mean or kind. These dreams went on for years, always with the same old woman's face changing. No one ever believed that they were real, just a childhood night terror that was caused by an overactive imagination. One night, my aunt came to stay. My aunt had thick, straight hair, and not even a heated curling iron could curl it. She stayed in the spare room that was in the original part of the house, just up the hallway from my bedroom. Our guests often stated their discomfort in this room when they stayed, saying that they were creeped out by it. The night that my aunt came to stay was normal and we went to bed as we usually did. The next day my aunt woke up with a single tight ringlet in the middle of her forehead as if someone had spent all night twisting her hair with their finger. In 2005 my parents temporarily moved to Canada for work. We left our beloved farmhouse and made our way to the freezing cold north. Our first home there was a lovely house on three acres of land surrounded by trees. It was quite modern compared with our last home in Cumbria, being built in the early 1970s, only about 30 years old at the time of this story. From what I know, we never had any paranormal feelings in that house. It was a very normal, very empty house. In my room I had a balcony that had a ladder with a tiny landing and then one step up to the balcony. My bed was on the lower level facing the landing part of the balcony. I slept in that room for about two years with no incidents. One night, I woke up and looked at the balcony landing. There was a little girl sitting on the landing with her legs pulled up close to her and her head and her knees rocking back and forth. 
She had no hair and was wearing a green hospital gown and looked to be about eight or nine years old. I sat up in bed and looked at her. I remember physically sitting up in my bed and looking at this girl. She was rocking back and forth for about 30 seconds before she stopped and looked down at me. I got the hell out of that room and spent the night with my parents. My mum told me that it was my brain making me see things because it was still asleep when I woke up. I was so scared though and knew that I couldn't or shouldn't sleep in that room another night so I made her switch mine and my little sister's. She slept in that room for another five years before my parents sold the house and moved back to the UK. Over the years as I grew up I had convinced myself that it was just a figment of my imagination and never really said anything about it again. The only person who knew about the dream that night was my mum and we just brushed it off. In May this year I had my hen do and we were all drunkenly talking about our scary stories. I mentioned the little girl in my bedroom and my little sister, who took over the room from me, froze. She went white as a sheet and looked at me dead in the eyes and said, I saw her too. The big sister energy is real in this story where it's like, I saw this terrible thing in my room, so what I'm going to do is just swap rooms with my little sister and make her deal with it instead because I'm just not going to deal with it. And I appreciate the big sister energy. I've got a big sister... I understand the big sister energy. I've lived the big sister energy. You know, I get it. Um, Just as a side note, it has started torrentially raining while I'm recording this. So if you can hear little rain drops behind me, that is what it is. That house in Cumbria sounds amazing. I love a big old house. Like I'd love to live like in an old little cottage. That would be my dream. And I love when you hear people living in houses from like the 1600s. Because, you know, haunted or not, like the history, the things, the lives those houses have seen just blows my mind. And I've seen all these people who are spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on a Dyson air wrap. Turns out all you need to curl your hair is an old woman who comes to you in the middle of the night and twists your hair around her finger. That bit with your aunt with the dead straight hair. Oh, waking up with a curl in the middle of your forehead and a perfect ringlet as well. After you having that dream the whole time. Like why are we validating these dreams? Why are these dreams being validated in real life? I hate it. I hate it so much. And it is interesting that in that modern house. That 1970s house. You had what was essentially sounds like a modern ghost. It sounds like it was a child going through some sort of treatment. Potentially cancer treatment because of the lack of hair. Who knows? So I wonder if there was somebody in that house at some point or a child who had lived in that house that had had cancer treatment or passed away there. I would I would kind of love to know, but I would that would ruin my hen party. I think finding out that that was real, that that was a real thing that both of you had experienced. Thank you so much to Robin and Emily for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from September the 3rd, 2022. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and if you are desperate for extra content you can sign up to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note I shall see you next time.